Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, an outreach of Greater Works Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos. If you like what you hear, visit us at gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and you'll get to our merchandise. Now, get ready for a huge dose of truth and a huge dose of common sense. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, in-laws, outlaws, those who love me, those who hate me. Hey, we're back. And uh, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast. Um, I really appreciate all of you fans. And today, hey, check this out. We got something really cool for you today. We got right across the table from me, um, the big guy himself, Rich Gallegos. Now, I'm going to let Rich do most of the talking, but let me tell you something about him. Rich is a fantastic guy all the way around. Good, solid dude. Uh, he's a great artist, which I know he's going to tell you about in just a moment. Phenomenal artist. And I really want all of you to be able to pick up some of his artwork because, well, it's just spectacular. He does a lot of landscapes, and they're gorgeous. And uh, my wife and I keep elbowing each other. we got to buy some of Rich's stuff. we got to buy some of Rich's stuff. So, Rich, we're going to be um, purchasing some art from you really, really, really soon. Uh, sounds good. But... Um, I've been going on already too long. So, Rich, tell everybody about who you are, what you're doing, your art especially, because I really, I do appreciate you all the way around what you're doing with PFC, and we'll we'll get into that in a few moments, ladies and gentlemen, Palmdale Freedom Coalition. This guy, I don't even know how he has enough time to be sitting here with me, you know, because you're always doing art, you're doing classes, you're doing PFC. Yeah, it's... Um I used to have a full-time job working in a laboratory for 30 years, and I'm busier now that I don't have a full-time job. <laughs> Isn't that funny yeah, how that works? It, it really is. Um, yeah, I became a full-time artist six years ago, and it was something that I wanted to do for a long time, but you know, it's kind of hard to break away from that, that uh, constant paycheck every two weeks. Um, but, you know, God's been good, and uh, we're still afloat, and, and I'm starting to get more traction uh, nationally, so... Yeah, it's working out. Um, but yeah, you, you get involved in other things in your community, and next thing you know, you've you've got three full time jobs, but you just don't get paid for all of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's all good. You know, it's, it's all necessary stuff. Yeah, no, that's really good. So, um, explain to everybody uh, uh, just briefly about your about your artwork, because again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, these are spe- oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell everybody if you hear background noise, uh, we're in Butler's Coffee again our old stomping grounds, but my wife and I, we sold Butler's Coffee to some fantastic people. She's standing over there talking on the phone. I don't know if she's listening to me. And uh, we're going to have them on a podcast real soon. They're going to be changing the names from Butler's to Generations. They're making it their own. It's still spectacular, the best coffee in the world. And um, so if you hear the background noise, uh, forgive me, we're in a coffee shop. So you're in a coffee shop with us. But Rich, um, tell everybody a little bit more about your art because I know you do a lot of landscape and yeah, yeah. Well, um, I started painting about 24, 25 years ago, and um, I just needed to. You know, a lot of people have a natural creative urge, and uh, I found that that painting the landscape, especially, was uh, immediate enough for me to get the satisfaction that I needed. You know, I didn't have. To, I tried sculpture, but that took a little bit too long and. It was a little more tedious, yeah. um, but uh, 
it's kind of it's kind of changed over the years because at first it was just something I enjoyed doing. I've always enjoyed being out in the wilderness, um, you know, looking at creation. And uh, and as I've grown older and and actually got you know got baptized and, and accepted Christ uh, as my Savior, I started to realize that what it was about landscape painting that was important to me was there's a lot of beauty in our world and there's a lot of challenges in our lives and and I find that if people appreciate the beauty that's all around them it makes it easier uh, at least in my opinion to deal with the challenges it puts you in a better state of mind if you're aware of all the beauty that's around you and it might be you know something obvious like you know being in Yosemite Valley and looking at Half Dome or or some waterfall or something and it's, sometimes it's just the way you know that the sunlight is hitting a cloud or, or a clump of weeds you know um, and over the years, I have learned to see beauty in, in the most mundane places. And, you know, people are going about their, their daily lives, and they've got a lot of responsibilities, and they've got a lot of challenges, as I've said. And, and I just find that if you take time to appreciate the beauty that's around us, you know, big and small, um, it puts one in a better frame of mind and, and makes you more, more able to deal with the challenges that you're facing. So I kind of see it as my job now. To go to you know beautiful places and and you know maybe not so obvious places and and find the beauty and if I can put it in a painting and put a frame around it it has a tendency to when people see it it kind of it, it stops them and they say wow look at that that's really cool where is that and and a lot of times it's some place that you know they they pass by all the time don't even realize it uh, one of my favorite examples of that is uh, here in Palmdale there's a <laughs> there's a waste management site and. Um, there's a right near the entrance to it. There's this little desert, you know, dry wash. Well, it's usually dry, but certain times of year there's snow all over it, or there's you know a bit of water coming through it. And I did a painting of it in wintertime, and it was all snow covered, and there was water running in the stream and the creek, and and it was gorgeous. Yeah. And you know, people ask me, "Oh, where'd you where'd you do that?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, it's over by the waste <laughs> management place." But that's the thing. There's beauty there, and if you're driving home from work and you happen to look at that and you take the time to appreciate it. I just think it makes your life better. I think it enhances our lives. So that's kind of what I try to do with my, my landscape paintings. Oh, that's excellent. And, and you did bring up a good point on that. So many times we pass things up and we don't even take the time to yeah. enjoy what's all around us. Yeah. And um, I don't know, maybe that comes with age because the older I get, the more I appreciate really what's out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And I find myself wanting to go out and I've always been somebody that goes hunting and fishing and all that. So I've always appreciated it, but I have a new appreciation. Yeah. And it's sad that we sometimes wait till we're older before, hey, let's go backpacking and just enjoy. Well, I'm too old to go backpacking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm just saying not. sometimes we wait there. <laughs> so yeah. you're part of PFC, um, Palmdale Freedom Coalition. Uh, Share with everybody what Palmdale Freedom Coalition is, what they sure. stand for, what they do, and what's going on in our world that maybe they can jump on board and, and yeah, do yeah. something. Sure, yeah. Um, so I became aware of uh, PFC about two years ago, and um, it was still somewhat small, and uh, the group was fighting for an ordinance in the city of Palmdale that would make vaccine mandates uh, illegal. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that was my mindset. I, had, I spent 30 years doing, uh, running an immunology lab in, in, um, at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. So I, I was perhaps better positioned to understand what was going on with the whole COVID crisis and 
all the science of it. And so I was not, uh, not keen on the idea of mandates. I think they're unconstitutional. And more importantly, um, I had my suspicions about the vaccines because they hadn't gone through the normal rigorous testing. And, and you know, there's a thing called an, an investigational review board that most of those things have to have to pass. And there are questions that get asked and there are cohorts of, of patients that get tested. And when I found out that the, the vaccines had not been tested on pregnant women or on adolescent boys, um, that was kind of a red flag. It didn't make sense to me. And then there was a narrative about, you know, the, the virus itself that, you know, if you're in a restaurant, you you had to wear a mask if you were standing up. But as soon as you sat down to eat, you could take it off. And I'd never heard of a virus that only attacks people that are standing. <laughs> so, you know, I, I could tell that there was a lot of stuff that was that wasn't quite, you know, what it seemed. And so this group was, you know, trying to get this ordinance passed in the city of Palmdale to, to basically, you know, preserve our freedoms and um, and that's something that I'm very interested in and you know kind of like the uh, the appreciation of beauty the older I get the more conscious I am of of the importance to preserve our freedoms and you know I've got I've got two teenage kids I want them to grow up in a better world than I did and so I got tired of you know getting mad at the TV every night watching the news and I thought well here's a group that if I join them maybe I can actually have some effect some positive effect in, in our city and so I, I came to a meeting and I listened to what they had to say and I thought, yeah, this, these people think like I do. Yeah. And um, so I, I said to my wife, I think I want to get involved. And, and I remember her saying, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I, you know. At this point, I just want to hear more about what they're doing, what they have to say, and see if there's a way I can help. And, you know, I, I, not to be immodest or anything, but I know that there are certain traits that I possess that aren't always... You know, they're not common as far as not everybody has those same traits in the same mixture. You know, I had a scientific background, so I understood the situation with COVID. Uh, I have the ability to speak publicly. It doesn't fluster me. It doesn't make me nervous or anything like that. And um, I hope I'm fairly articulate. So I thought, well, maybe those traits would be helpful you know, with this group. And as it turned out, that, that was the case. So, you know, flash forward two years and... Um, I, you know, I became the, the head of the political committee for P Palmdale Freedom Coalition, and then I was elevated to the number two position. And currently, I'm, I, you know, our founder, Mike Ross, likes to tell me that I'm the leader of the group right now. Um, I don't know that there is a leader. I think there's some leaders, and we all, you know, get together and bounce ideas off of each other, and we... we we do things together as far as writing letters to the city council, and we strategize on how we're going to approach different issues. And, but yeah, I'm part of the leadership, and um, you know, we got our, our our ordinance passed so that the vaccines are illegal, um, and now we've gone on to other things. And basically, what we do is provide oversight for our city council because yeah. for too long nobody was watching what they were doing, and you kind of. Well, I kind of understand that if nobody's paying attention, it's really easy to start doing things you shouldn't be doing, and nobody cares, so why not? Right. And so I see our job right now as trying to retrain our city council and make them understand who's supposed to be in charge. Right. And sometimes that means we go to them and tell them that what they're doing is not legal, and we have to cite you know, what, what our source is and convince them not to do it. Um, there, there are plenty of battles to fight with our, our city oh, leaders. Yeah. 
But I think they're starting to take us seriously now. I mean, we've had a number of successes, and uh, yeah, the other day I was at a flag day ceremony, and I wasn't expecting it, but I was introduced as a, quote, dignitary, close quote, which was yeah. kind of new to me. <laughs> um, but basically, they decided that they wanted to let everyone was, that was there know that Palmdale Freedom Coalition was represented. And um, so that says to me that they're starting to take us seriously now, yes. and that's a very good thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, and by the way, you you are you are the leader, ladies and gentlemen. He's being humble. Uh, yes, he was he was uh, speaking truthfully. Where there's every everybody is a leader in their own right in PFC, and everybody has a voice. But yeah, Rich is the guy that brings all those voices together to make sense and points them all in the right directions, and he does a phenomenal job with that. Um, so now uh, we're we're presently in Palmdale. So the city council that, that Rich is speaking of is the Palmdale City Council. And the only reason I say that is because some of you, a lot of you are in the Palmdale or the AV area. Um, Rich, what can people in Palmdale do? I mean, what are those issues that say are at the forefront or in, in your mind are the most important that the people of Palmdale Maybe they've never heard of even PFC. Yeah. Um, share with us, you know, how can they get involved? What can they do either on their own or if they wanted to come and partner with PFC? What are those sure. issues that are that important? Yeah, well, you know, from time to time I'll run into somebody who says something like, oh, I'm not interested in politics. And I'll let them know, well, that's nice, but politics is sure interested in you. Yeah. And if you're not aware of what you're... you're government is doing, um, there's a very serious danger that one day you're going to wake up and find out that you don't have the freedoms you once did. Those freedoms were fought for, and people died for them, people who never even knew you fought so that you would have them. And I think that, you know, we've gotten so used to living in a free country, right, that a lot of us have just kind of assumed that it would always be so. And the fact of the matter is it's not. There are so many different laws being passed and, and bills being presented that that start to curtail our freedoms in one way or another. So rather than you know being frustrated about it and feeling helpless about it, you know I'd say join an organization that that'll give your voice you know some meaning that'll that'll amplify your voice. And you know if you want to if you don't want to join a group, then you know write your write your council people, write your state representatives, write your you know your your national representatives. And let them know what you think. But truth be told, I'm not sure how how uh, effective that is. I think it's probably more effective to join a group where you have, you know, hundreds of voices mm-hmm. that are saying the same things. Because these politicians, they actually do pay attention to numbers. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to judge somebody's motives because I can't look into somebody's heart, right? right? But but it seems to me that there are a number of politicians, probably the majority, who get into that business not because they have a, a, a you know an honest desire to help their country or their community, but because they they crave power, they crave the crave the perks that come with it, and um, so they start doing things that are meant to elevate them instead of their communities. And so, what happens is you have communities that buy into somebody's you know narrative, and it's not really a narrative that's going to serve them. It's going to serve the individual. Mm-hmm. So if you join a group that is like-minded, that has strategies as we do in PFC, we have committees that deal with all different aspects of this particular fight. We have 
we have a prayer team that goes and prays over everything that we're going to do, first of all. Um, and then, you know, we've got a media team, we've got an information team, we've got a sign team that makes homemade signs so that people understand that this isn't mass produced by one individual. This is a lot of people, a, a grassroots effort. Um, and those signs have been very effective, actually, um, all, all throughout the city. And they, they may say, join PFC, they may speak to a specific issue that we're involved in, but they get people's attention. Uh, we have a political committee that does things like research law and, and uh, current events, current issues, uh, assembly bills, that kind of thing. And basically what we've done, and, and the thing I'm, I think, most proud of with PFC is that we are a group of people that have come together. None of us really knew what we were doing at the start, and we've all educated one another. You know, everybody brings some sort of expertise, and, and we've educated each other to the point where now we go up and speak to elected officials, whether they're school board members or city council members or, you know, politicians that come to visit us. We've had, you know, sitting U.S. senators come and, and be guests at our, our, our events. And we're able to speak to them with confidence because we know what we're talking about now. And so if you feel like you want to get involved but you're not sure what you can do to help, trust me, once you get here, we'll find a place for you. Mm -hmm. And your particular skill set will be utilized. Yeah. So, yeah, don't sit home being frustrated and feeling helpless. Come and join us. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always something going on in the city. And it's not always about fighting. It's really, like I said, about keeping our, our elected officials accountable, making sure they're doing things in a lawful, um, constitutional manner. Right, right. So, um, PFC meets here at Butler's every Wednesday evening. Yeah, 630. About 6.30. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go ahead and put the uh, address in the description of this particular episode so yeah. people can just find it, uh, Google it, whatever. And, and ladies and gentlemen, it's a spectacular thing. Even if you're not sure, just show up. Uh, the meetings are, what, about an hour and a half long? Yeah, pretty give much. Give or take. And uh, so it's an hour and a half out of your week that you can give to, to really see that there is a group of people that are actually making a difference. <clears throat> Now, I have to ask about this because it seems like every time um, that I've joined you guys either at City Hall or some event where there's other people there, not just PFC, but other people, the, 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 <laughs> the titles and the accusations such as <laughs> racist, and I believe it once was vile racist, yeah, yeah. came up, which... It actually surprised me because um, now we know that that is well overused in political yeah. discussions and discussions in general in our country right now. If somebody disagrees with Certainly. a liberal, automatically they're racist or homophobic or transphobic right. or something phobic. Yeah. But um, this particular one, I don't even remember it having anything to do with race at all. Um, no, and, and it never does. Um, and this, the individual that you're you're thinking of, um, he he slandered us. And slander, I don't know if everybody understands the the different uh, definitions, but slander is when you say something untrue about something orally, yeah, or someone orally. So he stood up and and he's a he's a leader of a special interest group that basically exists to to you know take money out of the city coffers basically for for you know, causes that not all the citizens are on board with. Right. Um, but he, he, we were fighting against the city giving out millions of dollars to these different groups 
because for one thing, we believe it to be unconstitutional. It, it, there, Section 16, Article 6 in the state ca uh, California Constitution prohibits giving taxpayer dollars to special interest groups. Um, so we were trying to stop the city from doing something that was illegal, frankly. And of course, this individual stood up and, and said that we were all a bunch of vile racists at, at PFC. <laughs> now, um, just for my own sake, I'm, I'm a quarter Italian, a quarter Irish, and half Native American. I'm married to a Filipino American. Yeah. Um, my friends look like, you know, a, a day at the UN. Uh, if, <laughs> I'm, if I'm a racist, I'm not very good at it. Right. Um, and that same individual did the same thing recently. He libeled us, and that is when you say untrue things about somebody in, in written form. Mm. And so he sent out a letter to his group saying that we were a bunch of, or we are aligned with right-wing violent extremists, right? And again, made the vile racist charge. Here's the thing, and I, and I went to the city council and talked to them about this, and I said, look, at a recent meeting, I asked everybody that was there to raise their hand if they had Latin uh, you know, uh, heritage, and a number of hands went up. Yeah. And then I said, how many of you are of Asian heritage? Same thing. How many of you are black or part black? Same thing. And so on. Well, it turned out that the percentage of PFC members who are different ethnicities basically mirrors the city of Palmdale's demographics exactly. Isn't that interesting? So, yeah. So, you know, to charge us with being racist when those of us who are part of the group know that the only thing we care about, you know, I have to give credit where it's due. Dennis Prager frequently says there are two types of people, decent and indecent. And that's pretty much all I care about. Yeah. And all the people I know at PFC, that's all they care about. Yeah. So here's the thing. The individual that was making those charges, he doesn't have a fact and logic-based argument to make. If he had, he would have made it. Yeah. But instead of arguing against our positions, he finds it much easier, like a lot of people on the left do these days, to use the charge of racism as a cudgel, as a mm -hmm. weapon. Because it's been effective. A lot of times you call somebody racist and they back off. Right. What he didn't quite understand is the nature of the people he's dealing with. We don't require people to be Christian to be part of this group. Right. But the fact is, most of us are believing Christians. Mm -hmm. And what he underestimated is that most of us aren't concerned with what he calls us. Right. We know who we are. We know God knows who we are. Mm -hmm. That's not going to scare us off. Yeah. So we come to the council meetings, we come to school board meetings, and we speak truth, and we speak fact, and we can back it up. We don't ever say anything, and I'm, I'm constantly you know, reminding our, our members, if you're going to speak publicly, if you're going to write a letter to an official, any of these things, make sure you have your facts. Right. Be articulate. Conduct yourself with, with uh, integrity. Right. And, and you know, don't let anybody draw you into you know, some of the silly stuff that they do because they don't have the, the facts to make right. an argument. So, It is interesting because um, the thing that really bothers me beyond the immediate, mm -hmm. someone falsely accusing another person sure. of racism is we're losing we're losing these the potency or the true meaning of these words because oh, they're yeah. used so flippantly. Yeah. So now when real racism rises yeah. up, people don't know, they can't identify it yeah. because of all these false accusations of yeah. racism because one person disagrees with another person automatically right. racist but right. now when real true rate because you know ladies and gentlemen I was trying to let rich do all the political talk but when we when you look at certain political parties I'll just mm -hmm. leave it at that 
most everything they do is involves race yeah. and against putting one race against another race, which is racism. Yeah. Most people can't see that anymore because those lines have been so blurred yeah. and or the definition make, has not been clear. Yeah, and when you make that charge often enough, people become inured to it. Yeah. You know, they, It just doesn't have the impact anymore. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I said to the city council in their last meeting when I, when I went to speak to them, the, the individual that was making these charges in writing and that had done it orally in front of the council, he happens to be an appointed commissioner on our Palmdale's Human Rights Advisory Committee. Wow. Now, um, you know, so I figured him behaving that way was, was not behavior becoming an appointed official. Right. So we went there to demand that he be taken off of the committee. And the first thing I said to them is something that I believe with every cell in my body, which is racism is, racism is one of the stupidest, or pardon me, one of the lowest forms of stupidity that I've ever encountered. I mean, I just, I can't tell you how much, I, I just shake my head when I, I, and in my life I've really only encountered one overt act of racism. Mm-hmm. And it was probably 30 years ago when I was working at, right. in, in Orange County. And, one person who I, I think he was, you know, I know he was a drug addict, I don't know what drug he was doing, but he said something that was just so profoundly stupid, it was almost comical. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, I, people are too quick, in my opinion, to ascribe disagreements to racism. And that's what this guy was doing. He was saying that we were going after one of our council people, trying to get her kicked off the council. And we were, and we are. Yeah. But yeah, there yeah. are myriad reasons that are legitimate. Uh, for wanting to do that, none of which has to do with their ethnicity. Ethnicity, And the other thing was he, he failed to mention that the candidate that we ran for that very seat in the last election is herself a Latina. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. again, if we're racist, we're not very good at right. it. Right. <laughs> uh, it was just a ridiculous charge. But, you know, again, people, if you don't have a legitimate argument to make, I guess you fall down, uh, fall back on, on those kind of spurious charges. I, mm-hmm. I, I once told the council that 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 very individual was going to make those charges later in the night because I knew know how he thinks and certain he stood up and did exactly what I said he was going to do because he didn't have an argument you know I, I think what is the, the way I put it was something like you know uh, the, the the ad hominem attack is the final refuge of the stunted intellect because again if you don't have facts and logic if you can't make the case you have to resort to something right and that's what he does yeah it reminds me of like third graders in a sandbox arguing yeah. and fussing and then one runs out of argument and he just reverts to you are just stupid or you're yeah. just ugly or your mama's this yeah. or you and it's yeah. it's complete immaturity oh, yeah. and a lack of intellect yeah. um, on his part so this council member are you free to share um, share why you're trying to get this particular oh, sure. council member off yeah absolutely and there are those who have said, oh, you're being mean and, and you know, you're just doing it because you didn't win and all these other things. Well, but before he goes on, let me preface this because you said that, you know, there's some people that are going to say you're just being mean. But ladies and gentlemen, pay attention to what he's about to say as to why we want to see this particular council member removed. And you, you be the judge if it's just being a good citizen or if it's really being mean. And again, the person that PFC that we wanted in that seat is also a Latina and um, and 
and this particular council member is Latina. So again, the whole idea of racism because we're coming against a Latina council member, it just doesn't fly. It's absolute stupidity. But anyways, Rich, yeah. let everybody know really the reasons why. Sure. sure. So the council member's name is Andrea Alarcon. And I, I want to say up front that, you know, as far as I'm aware, um, all of us being equal at the foot of the cross, Andrea Alarcon is a child of God, and I wish nothing but the best for her. But she's done some things that we believe make her unfit to be a council person, and um, her whole history, basically. I mean, she's she's got, uh, you know, when we brought up her arrest record from more than 10 years ago, there were people that said, oh, well, that's ancient history, and everybody has things in their past. Well. Let me say, I don't have that kind of stuff in my past. Yeah. Most of the people I know don't have those things in their past. Right. I've never been arrested for DUI or child endangerment. She has. Yeah. And if it was something that was just in her past, that would be one thing. But the fact of the matter is, from 10 years ago to the present, the woman has everything from over $140,000 in tax liens, both state and federal. And why is that important? Oh, that's private. Well, wait a minute, folks. This is somebody given fiduciary responsibility over our tax dollars. This is somebody who, with those with those liens against her, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It could potentially make her vulnerable to bribes. If somebody, I don't know, say a mayor from a neighboring city who had a lot of money <laughs> decided that he wanted to help her take care of those things, and I'm not saying that's happened, I'm saying it's, it's a possibility. Right, right. It would be hard for somebody who needs that money to say, no, I'm not going to do what you want. And the, the thing about elected officials is you need to avoid even the, the appearance of impropriety. Right. And that certainly is what we have here. So that's the problem with the tax liens. And they're still unsatisfied, by the way. She hasn't paid them. Um, the other thing is she's got a history of alcohol abuse that gets her into, into very public uh, trouble. And the most recent ones, um, on May 3rd, this past May, last month. Just this? Just, just this past May, yeah. A little more than a, a, month, a month ago, ago now. Yeah. Okay. She was removed from a local bar and grill because she was publicly intoxicated. And she was becoming combative with other, other patrons. She was dancing on tables. And, you know, again, people say, well, she's just blowing off steam. She's, she's on her own private time. Okay, folks, not so fast, because when law enforcement was called to remove her, she then started uh, using verbal, um, well, very foul language to, to, you know, excoriate them. We've heard some of what she said, and I'm only going to tell you what we know has been verified. There are some other things that are very troubling, but I haven't verified those yet. But she did tell the sheriff's deputies that she knew cartel members. Now, that is nothing but a thinly veiled threat in the context that it happened in. Right. And it's, it's behavior thoroughly unbecoming an elected official. And as for blowing off steam, it, it wasn't while she was working. Folks, if you're an elected official, there, there is no time when you're not representing your district, your city, your state, whatever. Um, and, and most other political bodies, governing bodies, have codes of conduct. And, for example, the House of Representatives, the U.S. Congress, says that um, the first article, I believe it is, in their code of conduct says that all members shall conduct themselves at all times in a manner that brings credibility to the body. Well, if it's good enough for the Congress, it should be good enough for our, our city council. Right. So we started looking into it. What part of the code of conduct did she violate? Well, turns out she didn't. And why is that? Because we don't have a code of conduct for elected officials in Palmdale. Wow. Which, I, 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 I mean, I was just flabbergasted. I couldn't believe that. 
So one of the things we're working on right now is writing a code of conduct and putting it into an ordinance that we're going to take to the council and, and try to get them to pass, uh, because we certainly think there should be one. The other things that are problematic with her is that she turned in her candidate's paperwork after the state-mandated deadline, um, and we have brought that to the council's attention as well, and they just basically, you know, they, they don't answer us. They, they give no response. Um, and there, I actually had a conversation with one of our new councilmen just the other day, and he said to me, well, it's because when she got there to turn her paperwork in, there was a commotion going on, and, and it wasn't her fault, and she was actually there 10 minutes before the deadline. And, and as I said to him, it doesn't matter because there have been cases where a city clerk's office was actually at fault and people didn't turn their stuff in in time because they were given the wrong date. Not their fault at all. And the state still ruled that nobody at the city level has the authority to extend the deadline. So it doesn't matter what the reason was. She right. turned it in late. Also, we believe she doesn't live at the address that she claims to live at. Now, she said that she lived in the 5th District by June 18th, which is the date she had to you know, have residence in the 5th District that she now represents. Problem is, there was a lawsuit filed against her the day before the election that said she was occupying a property in the 4th District uh, up until the end of August. So how could she live in the 5th District June 18th if she was living in the 4th District until the end of August? Right, right. And that was a breach of contract suit, which again brings up character issues. So there's all kinds of reasons why we don't want this person representing us and don't believe she should legitimately be doing so. Right. No, I, I totally agree. So, ladies and gentlemen, as I, as I said, um, does that sound mean or does that just sound like common sense? Something that, unfortunately, few people in our world have. So common sense isn't so common anymore. But we need to make it common. These are people that represent you and I. And it's not just here at a local level. Ladies and gentlemen, these types of things are happening throughout sure. our nation. Yeah, and Rob, can I bring up one other thing? Because sure. I think it's important. Not so much in the legal sense. The things that I've been talking about to this point are all legal issues mm -hmm. with her being uh, a representative. But there's another aspect to it which, you know, is more of an emotional one perhaps, but I don't think it's any less important. And that is, until she decided to run for office in Palmdale, the woman has absolutely no history of involvement in our city. Right. Everything she's ever done professionally is in Los Angeles. She's lived in Malibu. She's lived in Stevenson Ranch. She's never lived in Palmdale. She's never been involved in our community. So why is it that she would somehow suddenly want to be a, a council person in Palmdale? Well, turns out that she, she, in less than six months serving, has already told people that she's planning on an assembly run, state assembly run. Mm. So does that sound like somebody who has the best interests of Palmdale citizens at heart and wants to help their community? Or does that sound like somebody who's using the, the council seat as a stepping stone to further political ambition? Right. I, right. I mean, I think the answer is obvious. Um, and, and again, the other fact is, for, for those of you living in the 5th District who say to yourselves, well, she's a Latina, like we're Latino. So, and she's a lawyer, so that sounds like it's pretty good. Let me explain something to you. This woman works for a law firm who, in two separate lawsuits against the city of Palmdale since 2017, has siphoned off more than $6.5 million from our city budget. Wow. All right? And that's money that could have gone to, to improve streets, to improve the sidewalks, to improve safety in your neighborhoods, to, to you know, better the parks that are there, any number of things that could have improved the 5th District and the city of Palmdale as a whole. And now that money's not there because her law firm, and she helped with the lawsuits, decided to sue us. 
the first one was to make us go from an at-large city to a city with districts, with five districts. And, and <laughs> this is the ironic part. The argument for that case was, well, the people in the fifth district are not being properly represented because that's, it's largely Latino district and they're not having the, the representation they should. So there should be somebody from that district that represents them. And the law says that you have to be from that district. Okay, so they win the lawsuit, we have to go to five districts, um, and now we got to elect somebody for, for the fifth district. And who do they elect? Somebody who doesn't live in the fifth district. Right. Who has siphoned off money from our, our public coffers. It makes no sense at all. Yeah, so the fifth district still isn't represented. No, it's not. <laughs> not by somebody no. in the fifth district. No, not at all. See, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the, the, these are the types of things that we get so frustrated about because, remember, um, it's supposed to still be, our government is still, we the people. Amen. Not our city council, not our state uh, representatives, not our federal representatives. It's we the people. And the, so our, we call them representatives because they're supposed to represent us, our will, what we want, our best interests. And that isn't always the case. And it certainly isn't the case here. Um, now, I'm going to ask you a question. This might be somewhat of a loaded question. But do you feel that her position there was, how can I say, not just funded, but bought, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the mayor in the neighboring town, Lancaster, uh, Rex Paris, it's no secret. And, and in case anybody listening is wondering, well, how can you just say these things? Look, every bit of information that I've given so far on this particular individual or any of these individuals um, is a matter of public record. Yeah. So how can we make these claims? Well, we've either made CIPRA requests, which is California Records, uh, uh, Public Records Act requests um, and that have been satisfied. You can find out very easily who funds a campaign for a city council person or, or any elected right. office. Right. And that's what we've done. And so because of that, what we know is that Rex Paris funded her campaign to the, the highest degree that was legally allowed. Mm -hmm. And in fact, through other organizations, it's very possible that he siphoned money into her, her campaign uh, indirectly as well. Right. Um, that's the Palmdale First organization. That we, we're still waiting to find out you know, what their uh, financial records are. Uh, but her, Eric Olson, Richard Loa. Richard Loa, we didn't need a CIPRA request for. He told me straight up, quote, my, my political reality is that I have taken money from Rex Paris and I will probably do so again if I want to stay in the council. He said that. And this is a guy who claims to agree with us on a, a number of things. He's the sole Republican on the, on the council, as far as I can tell. It's supposed to be nonpartisan, so they don't actually come out and tell you. Right. But um, you can kind of tell by listening to him and talking with him. Um, but this is the guy who's supposed to be on our side, and he's taking money from the city next door, who's, yeah. you know, Rex Paris has been trying to siphon money out of Palmdale forever. Uh, we, we're doing better financially. If you look at the list of, of cities in California and their financial rankings, Palmdale's way up above uh, Lancaster as far as financial fe uh, fiscal feasibility. Um, so it's no secret that, that Paris is trying to get money from Palmdale. He's trying to create this, we believe, this regional uh, city, like yeah. combine the two and and then that way, the seat of power is in Lancaster. Uh, and there are many, many reasons why we don't want that, that to happen, but that may be a conversation for another day. Um, so, yeah, Rex Paris and his, his son, 
uh, have basically financed the campaigns of that I'm aware of. Everybody, I'm not sure about Laura Betancourt. I don't know if she's taken money from him or not. Um, but he's also responsible for our new city manager being the city manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was somebody that was let go from Lancaster uh, under less than ideal conditions. She sworn to me face to face that she has no interest in doing what Lancaster wants. Yet we get regular reports that she has lunch with Marv Chris, the vice mayor of Lancaster. Wow. And, you know, so there's just so much going on. Again, they don't even try to avoid the appearance of impropriety anymore. They're just doing this stuff all out in the open. And then when we call them on it, they don't deny it. They just don't answer. Right, right, right. And that's the strangest thing uh, to me when we've been down there at the city council meetings and, and facts, not just opinions or yeah. no. ideas or thoughts or yep. conspiracy, facts on paper yep. are presented to them of things that should not be happening, things that are either illegal or very mm -hmm. close to be unethical at Certainly least. Certainly unethical, yeah. And um, they just give you that blank stare, like, yeah. when can we go home? Yeah, they, so they, they hide behind the Brown Act. And mm -hmm. for those of you who are not aware, the Brown Act was legislation that was enacted to sort of help in, in running government meetings. Um, and I shouldn't call them government meetings. They're, they're, these meetings are the people's meetings. Yes. They are expressly held to do the people's business. And what's happened is so many of our elected officials either never knew that or have forgotten it, and they think of it as their meetings. And so the Brown Act basically says that, that the public has a right to address their elected officials uh, about anything that they want to address them about. But the Brown Act sets certain limits, as the, you know, says that the, the whoever is running the meeting can set limits on how long the public speaks and what things they can speak on and when. And so it's a little bit of a, you know, I guess some people might interpret it as, as uh, kind of closing in on your right to free speech, but it, it's really intended to just make the meetings run smoothly so they don't last, you know, three days or something. Right. But the problem with it is that one of the things about it, it says that the, the council or the elected officials that you're addressing are not allowed to engage in conversation. Now, they are allowed to answer questions, but our council has taken the position that the Brown Act says they can't respond at all. It's not what it says. Right, right, right. And even if it was, they could certainly respond after the fact at the next council meeting in a public, um, you know, like a, at a press conference, or they could make a public right. statement or put it out on the internet. Yeah. They could answer our concerns. They simply don't most right. of the time. And again, I, I think I said earlier, we see our job at PFC as we're supposed to retrain these people because they certainly don't act as if their, 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 their purpose is to do the people's business and let the people be heard and let the people, state constitution says we have the right to in, instruct them. It doesn't say we have the right to ask them, to implore or, any, or beg, any of that stuff. It says we, the people, have the right to instruct them. And they don't seem to understand what that means. Right. And, and, and that's a great point because, ladies and gentlemen, I think most Americans can know this aspect that when we elect official, they work for us. We know yeah. that. But we don't act upon it. Yeah. We don't true. become their boss. Yeah. And we just sit back and make them the boss. We'll articulate, out of one side of our mouth, we'll say, Wait, they work for us, but on the other side of our mouth, I better be quiet and do what they tell me. Yeah. No, it's yeah. the exact opposite. They, you better 
they better be quiet and do what you tell them. That's the way it's That's supposed, the way it's to, supposed work. to be. And yeah. again, they're representatives. That that word again, we've lost our definition and our meanings of these words. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if people, you know, you're talking earlier about how can people get involved if if they want to. Look, folks, uh, we don't have a democracy in the pure sense of it. We have a representative republic, but that word democracy has always been used as you know, sort of interchangeably, and we all understand what that means. It is a democratic form of government. But here's the thing, if, if the people being governed don't take part, you don't have any kind of democracy. Right. And you might sit there and tell your kids, oh, we, we have a democracy, but if you're not you know, being heard, if you're not letting your positions be known to your elected officials, I hate to tell you this, but you don't have a say in anything. Right. So in my opinion, you know, living here and, and, and you know, availing ourselves of the freedoms that this country has always made possible to us, you have a responsibility, not just an opportunity, but you have a responsibility to be involved. Right. And, and I'm saying that to people who agree with me politically and people who don't. Right. right, right, You know, we have people that come against us in the council meetings, these special interest groups that I don't agree with almost anything that they say. Right. I think that they, they misunderstand the Constitution, they misunderstand the yep. laws, or they just, you know, ignore them when it suits them. Right, right, right. But I have to say this. They are taking part. They are availing themselves of the, the, the freedoms that this country guarantees, yeah. and they're taking responsibility for being involved. Yeah. And I, I got to give them credit for that. Yeah. Because we got people that you know sit around decrying what's happening to our country, but they won't get off the couch. Exactly. Oh well, I got to do this. Well, I am too busy. Well, you know, look, everybody's busy, folks. Yeah. Do you want to keep your freedom or don't you? Right. It comes down to that. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that and that's the thing. And and ladies and gentlemen, it's really not as hard or takes as much time as it may sound. No. It does take time, but it doesn't take as much because a lot of people think that'll be like, I'll have to spend twenty hours a week. No, if you spent thirty minutes, maybe an hour, just get on the internet and Google some of these things and educate yourself. Yep. What's really going on? What is this bill being passed? What is that being yep. passed? You don't have to know every detail, but you get a rough idea of what's going on. Some of you would be shocked at what's really Absolutely. being pushed. Yeah. You know, like one of these bills that they're trying to push in, here in California, and I believe it was already, maybe has already been passed, is that if you don't have the gender-affirming care, in a mom and dad doesn't have gender-affirming care in the home, the state can come and take your children away from you. Yeah, that's Assembly Bill 957, and it hasn't been passed yet, but it did just pass by an 8-to-1 vote the, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, for the state of California. So it is going to be going to the floor pretty soon and be voted on. And, and folks, you know, I, I run into people who say, you know, well, it's not time yet. I mean, I, things aren't, aren't so good, but it's not time to fight yet. Well, when's the time to fight? Right. And they say, well, when they, when they come for our kids. Well, folks, they've already started coming for your kids. <laughs> and they have been coming for when our it, kids. When, it's, when they come to get our guns. Uh, again, I don't know how to tell you this. They've already started oh, coming yeah. for your guns. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's well down the road by this yeah. point. Um, and, and by the way, if I can mention real quickly, one of our committees with uh, Palmdale Freedom Coalition is called the Antelope Valley Parents for Education. Mm -hmm. And they have been doing absolutely stellar work they've been doing what you just were mentioning researching the heck out of things right. they they know the assembly bills that affect kids in schools they they go and talk to superintendents of school districts they make their their arguments to school boards 
because uh, a lot of us are concerned about the indoctrination by the, the LBGTWD 490210. <laughs> I don't know what they are. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, when I say that, I, I don't mean any disrespect to people who are gay or, or think that they're trans. And I yeah. say think because there's never been a human being in, in the history of human beings that's ever changed their sex. Right. Uh, so that doesn't really exist. It's, right. it's not a real thing, folks. Um, but it's not, it's not that I, I don't respect those people. I think everybody should be treated with whatever respect they are due. Exactly. I think they should be treated with compassion and kindness until and unless they give you some reason not to. Right. But it doesn't mean that we have to participate in their delusions exactly. when they have them. So this group, AVPE, the Antelope Valley, uh, Valley Parents for Education, as I said, they've been doing really great work getting the information out to parents, meeting with the school boards, um, talking to our congressional representatives, they have a direct line to Mike Garcia, as does PFC, uh, our councilman in the, I mean, sorry, our, our congressman, U.S. congressman in the 27th district. So, you know, we actually are, are fighting very hard. We're trying to do it with, with um, dialogue and rhetoric and, and, you know, debate and trying to make the change that way because, and, and this is where I sometimes get into trouble, Rob, there are people who hear what I'm about to say and they say, oh, he's just spoiling for a fight. Folks, you need to understand, it is the exact opposite. Right. I am desperately trying not to get to the point where there's violence. Right. I want to avoid that, if at all possible. But history is replete with, with examples where people did not stand up until it was too late, mm -hmm. until such time where the only way that they were going to save themselves was to stand up and, and use violence. Right. Because when discourse doesn't work, there comes a time when you have to actually physically fight. So again, we're dangerously close to that time in my opinion, and it's not going to get better if more people don't stand up and join the fight. Right, right. And, and that's a great point, um, because I've been accused of inciting violence, yeah. and not once have I ever, <laughs> right. but right. I'm with you. I'm doing whatever I possibly can do to steer this nation in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I'm just one voice, but yep. you know, a lot of my podcasts are wrapped right around that. Just yep. guys, let's get this nation back where it needs to be. Because if we can't do it exercising our uh, words, mm -hmm. speaking articulately, arguing, and getting enough voices on board, yeah. then it's going to be a shootout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, history just shows that over and over and over and over again. I, I think of uh, Nazi Germany. I just learned something just recently about Nazi Germany. When Hitler was on the rise, and uh, he was already in power, but on the rise, many of the, um, uh, primarily Lutheran there in Germany, but many of the pastors, there was about 3,000 pastors that openly opposed, verbally openly yeah. opposed, Hitler and the Nazis. Yeah. There was about 3,000 that were on board with him, mm. saying his praises. Yeah. But in the middle, there was about 12,000 that said nothing. Yep. They did not want to get involved. It wasn't their argument. We should just be... I hear this all the time among my peers. Just save souls. Don't worry about politics. The church should not be in politics. And then they, of course, misquote. It's a separation of church and state anyways, which is not no. true. And so that 12,000 silent voices is what really, truly led yep. to the 
murder of over six million Jews, ten million there in in Germany and Europe, and then brought the whole world into a war. John Stuart Mill, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I say that to all of you who have taken that stance that just like, listen, I don't like what's happening, but you know, I don't want to get involved because I don't know enough about politics or, yeah. or I don't, I, I'll have a target on my back or I don't want to be called. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't do something now and get more voices, voices into the fight, then it may come to that point, and we're trying to keep this from happening, that now we're going to have to pull weapons just to protect what little we have left. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, there's some other things. People say, you know, well, I don't want to have a target on my back, or, you know, what can I do, or all these things. Well, first of all, you know, the, the biblical admonishment that many hands make light work. Yeah. So the more people we get involved in the fight, the less work any one of us has to do. Exactly. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, when there are only a few of us standing up, we do have targets on our back. I can tell you right now, I, my my Instagram account, and this, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is not a very important thing, but it did cost me some money. Mm -hmm. uh, my profession as an artist depends somewhat on how many people, how many followers I have on social media. Right. Uh, after standing up at a school board meeting and saying to the trans community, I'm sorry, but you have a delusion right. because no one's ever changed their sex. You right. can't name a single person that's ever done it. Right. And I didn't say it to be cruel. I said it because I think scientific fact needs to be recognized if exactly. we're going to have an honest discussion. And when I said that, I expected an uproar, but I got silence, which in itself was a little bit disconcerting. But by the next morning, my Instagram account had been deleted and I lost mm. 14,000 followers overnight. Wow. That had a direct monetary impact on me. Yeah. So yeah, I have a target on my back. Yeah. The city council, if I if I call the city clerk's office now, I don't even have to tell them who I am. They pick up the phone and say, "Hello, Mr. Gallego." Yeah. That was a little disconcerting the first time it happened. Right. Right. Um, people there know who I am, and that's I don't say that in a in a in a boastful way. I say that as somebody who's a little bit concerned about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you might have a target on your back, but the more of us that stand up, the fewer people they can target. Exactly. Because if all of us are standing up and saying, no, this isn't what we want, what are they going to do? Target everybody? Right. They can't do it. Right. They can't do it. Yeah, on uh, this past Saturday when we were down at the fire department, um, what happened, ladies and gentlemen, was there the Los Angeles Board of Supervisors ordered all county buildings to fly the... Um, LGBT pride flag uh, and one of the firefighters said I'm not going to work under that and he pulled it down and of course he got yeah. reprimanded yep. and threatened and sent I believe he was sent home yeah. and uh, so a bunch of us went out there to support him and his decision in the pulling that uh, that down and the reason is because a lot of people see you all transphobic wait a minute ladies <laughs> and gentlemen that's a county building flying a flag that does not represent everybody in nope, the county. Not even close. Not even close. A small sliver. So we were there saying we support this firefighter because we believe in flying the American flag because that represents every American. Yep. And the California flag because that represents every Californian. Right. And I wouldn't even have a problem if they fl uh, they would fly the, the county flag because that represents everybody in the county. Yep. Fine. 
But the pride flag doesn't represent everybody. It does not. And that pride flag doesn't represent today what it did at its inception. Right. Because I, I know a lot of, well, not, I'm not going to say a lot. That would be uh, overstating. But I, I know that there's a growing number of voices in the gay community who have come out and said, look, and whether they're liberal or conservative isn't even the issue. Right. But they've said, look, we're gay and we, we have always liked this flag. Uh, we felt represented finally. Uh, right. That's a whole other issue. But but this this indoctrination by the trans movement, we're not on with that. That's yeah. not that's not something that that we agree with. Right. So that flag doesn't even mean today what it meant when it was first conceived. Right. Uh, so the, I, you know I don't know what the numbers are, but I know it's an it's a an infinitesimal you know number of people that right. that actually represents. Right. So. You know, and, and, and what about, you know, well, everybody's voice is supposed to be heard, right? So that's why they fly this flag. Well, what about the people who are opposed to it? Which, by the way, is a, is a huge majority. Yeah, 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 It just yeah. makes no sense. These supervisors... <laughs> well, yeah. when I was down there, I was interviewed a couple times, and mm-hmm. there was one question that both, both um, of these uh, media outlets asked me, uh, are you happy with the number of the people that came down there? And I said, yeah. yes, it was a pretty good size. Sure. Yeah. I said, but at the same time, it's frustrating because why don't we have 10 times right. this number? Right. Where, where are the rest of the people that are sitting back complaining but not there doing anything about it? Could you imagine if 10,000 people came down to that fire department? I, yeah. That would send a message. It certainly would. And, and I think... Sadly, the answer to that is that there there are a lot of people that agree with us. Mm-hmm. I would even say the majority on most conservative issues agree with us. Right. The problem is too many of them are content to let somebody else fight the battle for them. Right. And um, you know what what is that? Maybe it's human nature. Uh, there's a certain percentage of people who just aren't willing to fight. Right. Um, I think you know I grew up hearing that you know freedom is the most important thing to Americans. As an adult, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that I've come to think that maybe the most important thing to most Americans is security. Yeah. They just want to know that they have a place to live, they have food to eat, they have mm-hmm. their utilities, they have their iPhones, they've got, you know, they right. can watch the Kardashians at night or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that freedom thing, oh, that'll always be there or, well, you know, that's a big deal. I, I had somebody in my church maybe about a year ago when she found out that I was involved with the Palmdale Freedom Coalition. Well, two incidents. One of them said to me, "Rich, you, be careful. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want to get into trouble." And I looked at her and said, "Get into trouble? They're they're telling us we can't worship in our church. We have to go outside if we want to do it. They're, they're closing down mom and pop grocery stores and small businesses at record rates. We already have trouble. What are you talking about?" So just the, the general idea that some of the citizens don't understand what's going on still. Yeah. And then the other thing is, there there are other citizens who, you know, like I said, they pref- they just prefer security to freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, we always thought it's freedom for America, but it's it's not the case. I think a lot of people would just rather be left. Well, they 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 think they're being left alone because they're not being told to come up and give a speech or go to a meeting or anything. But are you being left alone if? You don't have to go to a meeting, you don't have to give speeches, you don't have to write letters, but the government tells you your carbon footprint is too high. Mm-hmm. It's too big, so therefore you can only drive 30 miles this week. Right. Or you have to drive an electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. Or you have to turn off you know, 
the lights and, and the, the air conditioner at 7 o'clock or whatever it is. And there's all these different things they're trying to do. Right now, the county of L.A. is exploring an idea of making people pay to use the freeways. And they're saying that the reason for this is they had, I read an article where they had a, you know, quote, expert, close quote, say that, well, if we do that, it'll lessen the freeway traffic so you won't have so many incidents of, incidences of grief, uh, gridlock. And um, it'll, it'll improve commuter times, right? And, and this person said it as if this, this idea had already been, you know, researched thoroughly and proven effective. And, all, and, and the first thing that came to my mind, like any thinking person, I think, would, would think, well, what do you think is going to happen to all those people that still have to get from point A to point B? Right. Just because they don't want to pay for the freeway doesn't mean they don't have to get where they have to get. Exactly. So you're going to have a lot more traffic on the surface streets, a lot more wear and tear that's going to be a lot more repairs necessary. Right. And, and didn't we already pay taxes to build these freeways? Exactly. And now you're going to charge us again? Yeah. Folks, if you don't go to these meetings, if you don't make your voice heard, if you don't get involved somehow, some way... They are going to take your freedoms. And you mm -hmm. think it's not a big deal to say, well, you can't use the freeway unless you pay? That, that's encroaching on your freedoms, folks. Right, right, right. So yeah. people just don't think, unfortunately, sometimes. Yeah, it's unfortunately a lot of people don't think it's a big deal if they're not, like the person that doesn't drive often or doesn't use yeah. the freeway. Oh, it's no big deal. I don't use it. Mm -hmm. Well, what about the tens of thousands of people that need it? Yeah. You know, or I don't care if they come and take our guns. I don't own one. I don't even really like them. Mm -hmm. But you certainly, if if need be, you'll be calling the police who come to your aid with a gun. Yeah, or your neighbor. Uh, yeah, or your neighbor. <laughs> you know, it, that, those yeah. are the types of things that we have to keep in mind. Just because it's not targeting you just yet, it will. And that's the operative word, yet. Yeah, yet. Yeah. Yet, because we've we've seen this over and over again. It's like, uh, yeah. well, it's not that big of a deal until they come for our kids. No, ladies and gentlemen, they've been secretly after our kids for the last 50, 60 oh, yeah. years. Oh yeah, easy, Decades. and maybe even more. Yeah. Well, there's been an, there's been a, a a very obvious attempt since the postmodernist philosophers that you know to try and unmoor us from objective truth, mm -hmm. right? You hear people say things these days like, "Well, that's your truth." <laughs> Listen, folks, there is no your truth and my truth. There's right. only real truth, right. okay? They, they tell us that we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, subscribe to traditional values anymore. Uh, all these things. And, and you hear uh, world leaders like Pol Pot called it uh, year zero. Um, other people call it the, um, the great reset, right? Mm -hmm. These are all the same things. Right. It's all this idea that we need to, as I said, be, be unmoored from traditional values and objective truth because when you do that to people they suddenly have nothing to cling to and you can control them better yeah uh, you know whether you know we can get into the whole world economic forum the world health organization all these all these world this and world that folks this is America this is a unique country this yeah. is a country where the, you know you hear about the American experiment well that was the, the experiment that made the citizens Sovereign. We're right. the ones that are supposed to be in charge. Yeah. You, that that didn't happen in other places. Right. That happened here, and all of this world this and world that and and unmooring from objective truth. The idea that there's 57 genders. All of this nonsense is an attempt that's been going on for decades to turn us into a one world order that can be controlled by you know a central cabal, if you will. And by the way, I know that people hearing this, there's going to be a certain percentage that are going to say, oh. He's a conspiracy theorist. Well, folks, there's a new definition for conspiracy theorists after COVID. Mm -hmm. It's called somebody who understood what was going on before everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Yeah, we, we, we have to go find some more conspiracies because all of our conspiracies turned out to be true. It's so far. You know, and... Yeah. Um, yeah, so, masks don't work. The vaccine's no good. Yeah. It was all intentional. I mean, you, I know it sounds good. It sounded crazy to me at first. Except yeah. there was too too much evidence to support it. And, yeah. you know, a few years down the road now, it's, it turns out that we were right. See, and that's what's so shocking to me even now. I see, like, uh, L.A. County is big on this, still pushing a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. That the CDC, the World Health Organization, and others have come out and said doesn't work. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's actually killing people. Yeah, and it makes you more more likely to contract COVID again if you've been vaccinated. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah. And they're still pushing this. So, if ladies and gentlemen, you can, and, and again, you can do some simple research. This yep. is all out there and it's all available. This is not conspiracy. This is now the so-called experts coming out. I, I was listening to Fauci, how he even says, well, you know, because uh, uh, they called him on flip-flopping so many times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just given the best information that we had as it evolved. Yeah. And it's like, mm. You know, here, here's the thing about that. And, and the first time I... Well, the nation, I think, was introduced to Fauci as a whole. I remember he, he stepped up to the microphone. They they said this is the, the nation's foremost, or actually they may have said the world's foremost expert on on immunology, on, on viruses, on virology. And the first thing he said after a couple of pleasantries was, this is a virus unlike any we've ever seen. And I remember looking at my wife and saying, well, if he's never seen anything like it, why should I think he's an expert? Right, right, right. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. And now he says, well, we are, we're operating with the best available information. Okay, folks, um, I, like I said, I ran an immunology lab at Children's Hospital for 30 years. Uh, I'm not an MD. I'm not a PhD. I'm not as educated as Dr. Fauci, okay? But even I knew these things didn't make sense. Right. Now, maybe that's a, maybe that's a topic for another, another podcast because we can go deep in the weeds, but... There's all kinds of things that, that didn't make sense to me. You know, when you have a spike protein that is in the brain, that uh, travels to your brain, and it, you've got a, a vessel walls that are single cell thick. If the spike protein starts creating waste products, which is what it does when it, you know, enters, the, your immune system attacks the waste products by removing the cell, not just the waste product. Okay. Mm. So you can imagine a situation where the vessel looks like Swiss cheese now, right? Right. Everywhere there's a spike protein. First of all, COVID virus doesn't end up in your brain, so why do you need spike proteins there to, to take care of it? Right. You right, don't. Right. So what you end up with is micro vessels and vessels that are sort of Swiss cheese-like, and you end up with brain hemorrhage. Yeah. That's one thing. You hear about the myocarditis and, and pericarditis, and, and all that is true. It's inflammation that's a result of all these, these, these vaccines and what's in them. But the vaccines also have something called lipid nanoparticles that are supposed to help in the delivery of the, of the vaccine, right? Well, if that goes to your heart, and it does, consider this. We're mostly made of water. So is your heart. Your heart operates because there are... I'm sorry, I'm going to get real technical for just a moment. There's a sinoatrial node and an atrioventricular node at the top and bottom of your heart. And those are the things that make it beat. It's an electrical current that operates between them. Yeah. Okay, water conducts electricity very, very well. We all know this. Right. You know what doesn't? Fat. Okay. So lipid nanoparticles, lipids are fats. Yeah. So if you suddenly have a bunch of lipid nanoparticles in your heart, don't you think that could impede the electrical impulse a little bit? Yeah. And all these people are dying of heart attacks that didn't have heart issues before. Right. It's not too hard to figure out how that's happening. And so I'm just somebody who knows 
I, mean, I know more than the average person about this sort of thing, but I don't know as much as an MD, PhD might, some of the people I used to work with. But even I could see the things they were telling us didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So for Fauci to now say, oh, I was operating on the best possible, no, you weren't. Right. No, right, you weren't. Right. Compared to his education, I'm just some guy and I knew better. Right. All right. So, you know, I think the guy ought to be hung for treason personally. I, I, I totally agree. I, I totally yeah. agree because these things aren't just missteps or misquotes. No. These things are led to literally the deaths of uh, perhaps millions. Absolutely. And they're calculated. Yeah. And these guys are still walking around. But if you and I just went and broke the law, <laughs> where would we end up? Yeah, you know, we wouldn't be walking around free it, like that. Exactly. Yeah. It's just that that the, the the we hear a lot of people talk about justice. Well, there's the injustice. Well, there is the injustice, and it's if it was just there, that would be one thing. But I mean, I look at a larger problem. I, I you know I sometimes say to my wife, I wish they would let me. I don't know how this would ever happen, but I would love to be invited to, to testify before Congress because I'd like to ask them a question. And that question would be, what exactly do you think is going to happen when you destroy trust in all of the governmental entities that there are? I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the CIA. I don't trust the, the, the FDA. I don't trust any of them. Any of it. I don't trust politicians. Right? Um, and, and I haven't always been that way. Right. But I see things that are happening, and especially the things that have happened in the last several years. And like I said, I just I, I have no trust in any of these government agencies anymore. So right. when you do that, and then you have, and you know, this is going on, but you, you go have elections that don't make any sense. And I know there are people that are saying, oh, again, this is conspiracy theorists. Look, folks, if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist for thinking that, that Trump won the election, the last election, mm -hmm. All I can say is you have been willfully ignorant. You have not gone out and looked at the available data. Right. It right. is there. Right. The fact that you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not there. Right. So if I don't trust our, elector our electoral system and I don't trust any government agencies and I don't, I mean, any of these things, and I see them activating the IRS against citizens and they're activating the DOJ against people complaining to school boards because they're interested in their parent or their, their children's education, I would ask our elected leaders, what exactly do you think is going to happen as a result of this? Do you think everybody, you know, the, the J6 thing, I got to tell you, when that first happened, I remember thinking, good, it's about time somebody stood up. Because, you know, people tried to go, half, literally half the country, a little more really, tried going through all the legal processes to be heard. And they didn't lose the arguments. They were told they didn't have standing. At one turn after another, the arguments were not heard. So what do you think is going to happen to a free people when they're suddenly being told, no, we're doing it this way, it doesn't matter if you think it was rigged, it doesn't matter what you think, we're not going to hear you. Right. You think they're just going to lay back and go, oh, I guess yeah. we'll have to hope for a better outcome next time. Right. I don't know how to tell you this, folks. That's never been the American spirit. No. It just isn't. Mm -mm. You remember Don't Tread On Me? Oh, yeah. Well, all of those events, that was people being tread on. Yeah. And I know that there are patriots out there because I, I meet with them every Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that um, they're not to be tread on. Right. And so I would say to the people that left that is in charge of most government entities right now, if you think you're going to keep doing this and there's not going to be any blowback, you got a really hard reality waiting for you. Well, yeah, look what's happening all over, even with just the, uh, the so-called pride flag. Uh, I believe it was in Glendale where some... Uh, was it parents that yanked it down and, yeah. if I remember correctly, if I heard the story correctly, burned it right there or at least trashed it yeah. 
And so people are it's finally getting, we're at that breaking point. Yeah. And and here's my theory, my my conspiracy, is I believe they want this. They're push. They're doing their best to push the That's American right. people to breaking, so something does break out, so they have an excuse yep. to martial law or whatever. Whatever they yeah. But yeah. what they do not understand is, um, and this is my, I'm not going to say fear, but my concern is if that first shot is fired, it's going to set something off that is going to catch everybody off guard yeah. on both sides. It doesn't matter where you stand politically. Yeah, doesn't, probably so. And it's going to be at such a, just like the Civil War. Yep. You know, um, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, it started something that both sides weren't fully prepared for. Right. To the magnitude that they, now they're in it. And it's like, we just have to fight until somebody wins. Yeah, you know, on Wednesday, our last PFC meeting, I, I made a comment to our membership about the need to understand within yourself at least. I'm not even saying you have to broadcast it at all. But you need to understand where is your line? Right. Where is the limit, the point at which you are no longer willing to try and get things done with discourse? Right. And again, you know, every time you say something like that, people misunderstand deliberately. Because, and I think it's because they're fearful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, I, I'm not, uh, the, the last thing that I ever want to do is to use a weapon against another human being. Right, right. Okay? But... And, and I'm in, in no hurry to leave this this life. I've got a family. I've got kids that I adore. I want to see how things turn out in their lives. All yeah. these things, right? But, and this reminds me, there's the other person at my church that mentioned something. I started to allude to it earlier. She said to me once, what good is freedom if you're dead? And I said to her in response, what good is life if you're not free? Right. And, and I mean that. Yeah. So my point is, I know where my line is, right. and I'm still out there trying to win the debate with discourse and with logic and facts. Yeah. But I'm I'm concerned about how close we are to the point where it's going to be time to pick up arms. Yeah. And all I can say is, should that time happen, it, it I'll be greatly saddened, but I won't be afraid. Right. Um, I, I I know. I know what's happening to me after this life. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I've got that confidence. Um, but I also have confidence in the fact that I know that we're right. You know, I sometimes jokingly say to people about conservatism, you know, there's a reason they call us the right. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. And frankly, it's funny, one of my favorite Bible verses, and I'm, you're, you're a pastor, you'll know this better than me probably. I'm, I'm terrible at quoting. I think it's Ecclesiastes 10, and it says something about the fool... The heart of a fool inclines to the left. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay, well, I don't know if that was meant politically or not, but I look at that and I go, huh? well. <laughs> God, God, he's got it all figured out. Nothing catches him off guard. You put yeah. that in there that way to not only speak to the people of his time, but to, you know, that time, but also our time. Yeah. And I agree. Because um, that's what I tell a lot of people, I, you know, and I've, I make this statement, I make it boldly. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat. No. Because the Democrat platform and their policies are all 
anti-Bible, anti-God, anti-freedom, anti-freedom, everything that God stands for, they're against. I'm a Republican, not because I have some great love for the Republican Party, but their platform is much closer to the biblical standard than, than, uh, and they're electable. Yeah, I, I, you know, when people ask me about my politics, I usually tell them, well, I'm, I'm a registered Republican for pragmatic reasons. Right. Um, in, in theory, what I am is a constitutional conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for the same reasons that you just elucidated, you know, I, it aligns much more closely with what God wants for his people. Right, so, right, right. That's why I get even more frustrated with Republicans that, that uh, you know, the rhinos, yeah. as we would call them, that act more like Democrats, because even though they're Republicans, um, I hold them to a higher standard yeah. because of the platform yeah. and yeah. what they claim that the Republican Party stands for. Right. And so when they bent, like like the local politician who's a Republican that voted for uh, uh, all the abortion stuff, it's just oh, like, yeah. see, I hold that person to a higher standard because I know that a Democrat's going to do that. That's just not a matter. Right. Right. I don't even think about it anymore because I just know where they're going to stand. Yeah. And even if for some weird reason they break away and they vote, they're still part of a system yeah. that's still anti-God. So it's like... Yeah, it's like when I hear people, and, and I've got people in my own family. Uh, well, I shouldn't say people. That's, it's not plural. I have one. <laughs> in my own family who, you know, raised in the same house with me, same values, same ethics, yeah. right? Yeah. Basically leads their life like a conservative. Yeah. But is a member of the media or has been most of her career and um, you know votes religiously democratic oh, yeah. I shouldn't say religiously because she's an atheist um, but she she votes democratic and, and says things like well I'm not a leftist but I'm a liberal and I'm like you know I don't know how to tell you folks out there I know there are a lot of people out there who vote democrat who are maybe center left okay I, I know of one person personally who was a Republican and just because she didn't like Donald Trump's personality now votes Democrat, which I can't even tell you how ridiculous that is. Yeah, yeah. It's mind-boggling. But I, I try to look at that as, well, maybe there's hope to bring her back. But yeah. but this person in my family, you know, I'm not a leftist, I'm a liberal. Folks, I don't know how to tell you this. You might not believe in all the leftist ideology that's being, you know, perpetrated out there, but you're supporting them. If you yeah. vote for them... The result is the same. You might as well be a Marxist, right? Because right, exactly. that's what you're putting in power. Yeah. So you don't have this this, you know, shield, this veil of protection from being responsible right. just because you don't quite agree with them. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. You're putting them in power. You are part of the problem. Right. And we have too many single issue voters that yeah. will vote. You know, I'm just for this. I'm only about this one thing. Yeah. yeah but you just put in 99 disgusting things. Yeah. Because you're after your own one pet right. thing. Things yeah. that are going to harm you and your progeny, whether yeah. you thought about it or not. Exactly. And that's yeah. back to what you said about the, the, the young lady or the lady that said, what good is freedom if you're dead? Yeah. Well, your children, your yeah. grandchildren. Yeah. I want to, if, if I'm not around to enjoy the freedoms I fight for, yeah. I want to win that fight for my children, my grandchildren, right. great-grandchildren. Just like others did before us. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm in no hurry to die for anything. Right, okay? right, me either. But I'll say this, if, if I've got to die, I can't think of anything better to die for than my God, my country, my freedom. Yeah, exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it made us sound like we've gone all over the gambit of the political spectrum from local politics to, you know, Fauci and national politics. And I, but if you paid attention, there's a strong common thread. 
in that. And and there's a few points that were just common in there. But the number one thing is, it's still we the people. And we the people need to rise up so that things don't get worse or we're not going to end up in a fight that nobody wants. Yeah. But if we don't stand up and let our voices be heard, we're going to end up in a fight that nobody really wants. So ladies and gentlemen, again, one of the the major points that at least I'm getting out of this conversation, and we didn't really rehearse this. No. Before we started, I just said, I'm just going to ask you about your your art, who you are, introduce yourself, tell them about your art. I really wanted to talk about that because ladies and gentlemen, again, he's a phenomenal artist. Thank you. And a great teacher. Uh, he, he comes in here with his students every now and then, and, and I watch him. He's super patient. See, I couldn't do it because I don't have that kind of patience. But he's super patient, great teacher, and his students are doing uh, phenomenal. Yeah, they are, actually. I mean, phenomenal works of art. I'm like, that's a student? You know, uh, and they don't look like students. Their works don't look like students doing it. You know, like me, it look like third grade. But, um, but again, the common thread is, ladies and gentlemen, I say this to everybody. We all have to let our voices be heard. We all have to get out there and let our voices be heard one way or another. Now, uh, and I'll tell you just sometimes this is how easy it is. When there's a rally or a protest, you come out there with an American flag and you walk maybe, I don't know, 50 feet one way, 50 feet another way, waving the flag. And every now and then somebody will get something that we shout out or we say something or we get in a prayer huddle. But that's how easy it is, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't want to walk, bring a chair. But the fact that you are there so that when the officials look and they see not just 10 people or even 100 people, but if we can get get 10,000 people out there, suddenly we've made an impact because they realize, wait a minute, every single person of that 10,000 member group represents a whole bunch of other people that didn't come out. A huge voting block. Right, and suddenly they realize that these people have an effect on whether I stay in power or not. Exactly. So, we don't do these types of rallies or protests too often and they usually last, what, two, maybe three hours? Yeah. Maybe three hours? So if you could even come out, say, for an hour, hour and a half, Bring a lawn chair, bring some water. Sometimes it's a little hot, but we always find some shade. Bring a, an American flag or a don't tread on me flag, something like that. Sometimes it's literally that easy. Yeah. It's literally that easy. It is. You don't have to be the person getting up and speaking into a microphone right. at a crowd if you're not comfortable with right. that. Um, you don't have to, you know, if, you're, if your thing isn't research, but you like making signs, then come help us with that. If, if, you know, I'll tell you, it's been therapy for me. Mm-hmm. You know, as well as anything else. I got so frustrated listening to the news and being told that the American people think this and the American people think that, and I would sit there thinking, well, I'm an American person. I don't right. think that. I don't think that way. You know, that doesn't represent me. Right. Rather than being frustrated, get up. Make a difference. You know, if, right. if you're just a tiny little part of a bigger organization, it, it, it amplifies your voice. And, right. And it does make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. And, exactly. And by the way, if you have kids... What kind of a, an example are you setting if all you do is complain but you never do anything about right, it? Right, My right, kids, right. you know, they don't they don't come to the rallies necessarily. They've been to some of them, but they're you know they're teenagers. They're right. busy trying to get through school and all this kind of stuff. But but they certainly see that that I and their mom, who are both Palmdale Freedom Coalition members, they see what we're doing and they see how much work I do for the co- co- coalition. And I have to believe that at some point 
in their lives, it's going to kick in. You know, mom and dad really fought for us to stay free. Absolutely. And that's a thing of great value. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. set a good Absolutely. example. Very much so. Well, Rich, I'm going to bring this to an end. But trust me, ladies and gentlemen, this won't be the only time that we do this. Rich Gallegos, like, as you heard, he's a very busy man. But everything that he's doing is making a great impact on the world around him. So, Rich, any final comments or words that you want to leave with the people? Um, you know, I just want to thank you for the opportunity and, and for doing this podcast. Um, you know, I've listened to, to a, a, quite a few of your podcasts, and they're always things that are, are impactful and important and that people should be paying attention to, you know. And, and it's so that. great that we have uh, this alternative media, if you will, yeah. uh, because I think that, that the mainstream media in this country has abdicated their responsibilities to be overseers of our, our leaders. Um, you know, there there was a there's a poll that gets done every couple of years, I believe, and for years and years and years, it's a, of media, all types of media, and one of the questions that they always ask is, what do you see the job of media? Mm -hmm. And it used to be to provide oversight for the government and to inform the people. That was the answer that was most frequently given. But for the last few cycles that they've done this this uh, survey, the most popular answer to that question is to shape public opinion. Folks, that should tell you what the mainstream media is up to. They are not trying to inform you. In fact, just the opposite, because the worst thing for an elected official to deal with is an informed electorate. Yeah. And thanks to podcasts like like Table Flippers and some of the others that are out there, right. you have alternative means to find out information, to, yeah. to learn about things that are going on. Yeah. So thank you for doing this, Rob. I think it's not just you know it's not just fun and, and you know cool for our little corner of the world here in Palmdale. I think it's an important part of, of media these days. It's a part you can actually trust still. So yeah, well just I do that. appreciate that, but I appreciate you because it's a. Uh, I get on do these podcasts when I can, and there's so much information. It's just like, what do I yeah. do? I can almost yeah. just close my eyes and point at something. We'll talk about that. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. there's so much going on. But True. every Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, Rich and the different ones here, but Rich brings um, the truth, and he brings facts. He brings these things to light that most people just either don't have the time to find or... He knows where to look for it and find it for us. So it actually, what Rich is doing is makes everybody else's job a lot easier, and uh, which I do appreciate because I, I run out of time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't know anything that's going on, and mainly because I just don't have the time to go look for it. You yeah, know? Well, um, I, I appreciate that, and I want to make sure that everybody understands. Like I said, this is a concerted effort. Yeah. A lot of the things that I bring, information that I bring every Wednesday, you know, some of it's my own research, but a lot of it is other PFC members who have texted me during the week, hey, maybe we want to talk about this, maybe we want to talk about that. Yes. This is a Great collective point. of people who have found a purpose, and, and you know, we coalesce around the idea that we all want to preserve our freedom. We all understand that it's under attack. Right. So, you know, I, I appreciate the kudos, I really do, and I have worked hard for PFC, but, you know, thanks to Mike Ross and Carol Ross for founding it. And thanks to so many people that are involved because, like I said, they're feeding information to us constantly. Yes, yes. And that's excellent. So PFC, all those members and everybody that does the research and gets it to Rich, thank you. Thank you because you've, you are making all of us uh, more aware of what really is going on out yeah. there and how we can better position ourselves to fight against the nonsense. Or when somebody's actually doing something good, how we can go and praise them and help them. Yeah. Because it's not just about coming against the negative. It's really about finding even the positive 
unfortunately, that's yeah. few and far between. But well, you know, if I can just add another thing before we uh, sign off here, or yeah. whatever. Um, to that point, we have told the citizen or the city council rather many times that we'd much rather be their their uh, allies than their adversaries. Right. And to that point, um, our social media, like our, our website, palmdefreedomcoalition.com. Uh, and I believe it's going to be up on our Facebook page pretty soon, too. There's going to be links where people can sign up to help with graffiti removal in the city of Palmdale. Right. I've been yeah, talking yeah. to the public services people and trying to get that going. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so we're trying to make a positive impact that way. And then on the 24th of June, there's going to be a cleanup effort at Desert Sands Park mm -hmm. here in Palmdale. Um, so if you want to do that, we're going to send a link out for that as well. Okay. And so if you're a PFC member and you want to you want to sign up to help with that, it's a great opportunity for us to make the city the city aware that look, we're not just here to yell at people and complain. We are also here to do positive things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he does put his money where his mouth is, ladies and gentlemen. And I will get those links and put them in the description for this episode. Great. So you can just click on it and it'll take you to there. And please come out and help. It's, it's not an all-day event. It's what? No, it's two like hours, two or three, three hours. hours in the yeah. morning. You know, and there's yeah. different times that you can help. The the Desert Sands Park thing is specifically on the 24th of this month, but okay. the graffiti cleanup is an ongoing thing with the Public Works Department, and they really need, only need three or four people on Tuesday mornings to go out with the trucks yeah. and help clean graffiti. Yeah, you know, so so do some again, good for your community. That's just. Uh, an occasional Tuesday that you can give up two or three yeah. hours of your time to go help the city clean up graffiti. Yeah. It doesn't require uh, um, a lifetime or weeks or months of your time, just a few hours here and there. Yep. yep. And we can really make a difference and show our city who we are as a people yes. and what we want as a people. So I do appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And he does put his money where his mouth is. He does. I've seen him at the city council where they've done something good. Mm -hmm. And he's praised them and told yep. them, we appreciate this. Thank you. Uh, and it was especially that way with uh, Richard Loa. Yep. You know, he's done some really good things and he gets praised for it. Yep. However, at the same time, when they do something dumb, they get hammered for it. And rightfully so. That's what oversight is. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, again, Rich, I so appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have him on here again soon, I hope, and uh, because he brings a lot of wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding to everything that we're doing. Thank so, you, Rich, bro. thank you again. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, it was my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you all soon. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers. I truly appreciate you. You can write me at gwccrobert.com at gmail.com that's gwccrobert at gmail.com please let me know how I'm doing remember to pick up some of our merchandise you can find the link at gwcclancaster.org that's gwcclancaster.org until next time be continually blessed Kiffy the Chipmunk loves table flippers